0: Well, our text this morning is Isaiah sixty-five, and we are considering. Um, th- we're in this little mini-series uh, that we do annually on the other side of Easter, considering the implications of the resurrection. Last year, our theme was mission. That because Christ is raised, we should go tell. That's what he after he's raised from the dead. He he before he ascends, he sends his disciples out and says. Go to all nations. So we, we did a, a several-week uh, series on the implications in terms of evangelism, missions, and apologetics, and so forth. This year's theme is new creation. That because Christ is raised from the dead, there is new creation. And so we've been reflecting on that. We've done that from Genesis 1, thinking about old creation. We've done that from Psalm 72. And today we look at Isaiah 65, this very clear prophecy of Isaiah about the work that Christ is going to accomplish, both in his death and resurrection, but then again at his second coming. So much of this language will echo, if you pre-echo, uh, the, um, the end of Revelation, text that we will look at as well. So uh, we'll get there, and hence I didn't choose those, though they would be beautiful, complementary readings To this but we'll get to those later but our text this morning is isaiah 65 verses 17 through 25 and like all the prophets if you if you read it you almost feel a whiplash when you're when you're reading the the prophets because on the one hand the lord is 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 bringing the hammer down in in some ways that really uh can make us feel very uncomfortable if you if you read through the prophets uh, it, it can make you feel very uncomfortable. We, we did a whole series on Ezekiel, and I made you feel unbelievably uncomfortable. Um, so I know what it feels like to, uh, to make people uncomfortable. Um, but you read Ezekiel, and some of the stuff is just, is just downright hard to hear. Um, and you even get that a little bit in Isaiah 65, uh, the beginning of the text, where the Lord is, is saying very hard things he's going to do. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to to bring blessing. And then there's going to be judgment. And he's he's setting setting in juxtaposition with one another the judgment that we deserve. The judgment that is certainly to come with the blessings of the restoration that he will bring. And it's a call and a reminder to us to flee from the judgment and run uh, to the blessing. Um, And in the midst of that curse that we have to deal with to anchor our hopes, to the blessing that is certainly to come, and so you get that even within this short little passage, one chapter of Isaiah sixty-five. But that's it's—it's it's almost a picture of the bigger whole story of of, the, of Isaiah sixty-five. It's been doing that back and forth uh, through the through the whole book. But now at the end of chapter sixty-five, he he really hunkers down into a beautiful prophetic description of that blessing of new creation that is going to be uh, the estate, if you will, of the saints, and one that we have because of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want us to contemplate that today, to linger here, and to think about a couple of these aspects of new creation. This is your heritage. This is your, this is your inheritance that we're reading about here today. And so this is this is good news, and, and I want you to uh, just feast your soul upon these beautiful Images. Let's just start in verse 17 because here we just get the description of what he's about to tell us. So, after some of these hard things he just said, uh, he says, For behold, right? Again, I've I've told you some of my my Mount Rushmore words in the Bible. If I could take my Mount Rushmore words, um, uh, one of them would be, Behold. I love it when you get a text in the Bible that begins with Behold uh, because it's just telling us, it's urging us to look to look, but not just to look, but to look and contemplate, right? He doesn't say, look, he says, behold, right? Observe, contemplate, meditate upon these things, Um, but direct your attention. And and we need this because as we've already confessed, we're so distracted by the vaporous realities of this world that we need somebody to kind of snap their fingers. If I could snap better, it would have worked, but, you know, snap the fingers and, hey, look here. And we snap our attention and we look, look over here. Look at this, look at this. You know, I had to do that with the kids at Gettysburg. You know, you, and you have it, you know, if you've ever been to a museum, you know, museums can be overwhelming. You know, it's just so much stuff. Like, what do you, you stop seeing after a while? Um, and you have to say, hey, guys, guys, come here, come here, look at this. Just contemplate this for a second. Think about the battle that took place here. Or think about this and what was happening here. You know? And get them to look and to slow down and to snap out of the distraction of the beauty of the fields and the, the, the nice day or the overwhelming things in a museum. Hey, look over here. And so the text begins that way. We need to be snapped out of our, of our distractions and look. And what does he want us to look at? Hey, behold, look over here. I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Now, now, remember, the former that they're having to, to to wrestle with, right, is this the hammer of judgment that's coming down on them. They're being dragged out by the the Babylonians uh, and and taken off into foreign lands and exiled, right? So when he's telling them, hey, these hard things, this cursed reality under which you are living, it's gonna be gone. I'm going to wash it all away. I'm going to restore things and make them new. And in such a way that the former things the afflictions the travail of the age in which you are living will not even be remembered anymore now in in in, uh, in dostoevsky's work uh, the brothers karamazov there's a a discussion that takes place between two brothers you know ivan and alyosha and alyosha is 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 training for the priesthood actually and ivan Ivan, his brother, is is giving up the faith. He's a rationalist and he's 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 done with the he's done with the Christian faith. And Alyosha, his brother is is trying to uh, well they they meet in a tavern and, and Ivan is is taking he's leaving Russia. Actually, he's I think he's heading he's heading to Western Europe. But he he sees his brother Alyosha and they have this discussion, and it's an amazing discussion about the faith as Ivan kind of puts questions to Alyosha and tells him a story. Uh, that he wrote called The Grand Inquisitor and, and kind of works through the problem of evil uh, with his brother. Uh, and in the end of it, he tells Alyosha that it, 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 the telling me that one day we won't remember, telling me that one day we find out it all worked for good, if that's true, he says, I don't want any part of it. I'll, I'll turn my ticket in. I don't even want to go. I don't want to spend time with a God that does that. That would draw us through the the and he tells some horrific stories particularly of childhood suffering. Uh he tell uh, you know, Ivan tells these stories to Alyosha. Uh to say you tell me how God is going to uh, bring bring good out of this and if he can then I don't want any part of him anyway. Because if this is what if this is what God has to use to bring good then I don't want any part of it. And it's a, it's a moving and challenging um a part of the text, I think something that we as Christians have to wrestle with in terms of how we, because Christians can sometimes flippantly throw stuff like this out there, like, well, it's all going to work for good. Um, and at least Ivan Karamazov is, is grappling with the, the, the very real realities of suffering and grief in this age uh, and wanting, wanting and desiring explanations for them in the moment. And of course, we don't get those. We don't get those. But nonetheless, here we have in our text a statement that the former shall not be remembered. Here, the Lord is saying through Isaiah, actually, it is going to be that. That there is going to come a time where the grief and the suffering. Hey, now remember, he's speaking to Israel. The grief and affliction, you you are your families are being separated. They are getting in a very intense, compressed microcosm. Right? The, the, the invasion of the Babylonians, the ripping apart of families, the killing of people, the destruction of their city and the things they love most, even the temple is being destroyed, that this is like a compressed microcosm of all the suffering of all the world. It's, it's no worse than the suffering we have to deal with. It's just, if you will, all compressed and condensed so that we can see it. We, we can see the, the afflictions of the curse coming upon Israel, but it's really just a picture of the curse that we all have to deal with. Again, Ivan says to Alyosha, you know, how about this child? And he tells the story of this kid, horrific suffering and this thing over here of horrific, explain that, explain that from the perspective of your good God. Israel is having to deal with this in a very compressed way. And yet to them, he says, there's going to come a time where you won't even remember this. You won't even remember it. This is the reason why I chose Romans 8 as our, as our New Testament reading today, though there's so many complementary, beautiful things that will come out if you read this over against Romans 8 and Romans 8 over against this. But, but the, the verse that made me want to lay Romans 8 before you today and have it in your ears and before your eyes as we read this text was the fact that Paul says in that text, that this the present sufferings that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed and we can let ivan karamazov tell us some pretty horrible sufferings we probably don't need ivan karamazov i guarantee you if i sat with you you could tell me some pretty horrible sufferings. Whether we've experienced them personally or whether we've read them in the news, there are some pretty horrible sufferings. And we all live underneath this veil of curse. Since Adam rebelled in what Sproul calls cosmic treason, rightly so, we have lived under this veil of curse and judgment. We have lived under the very reality that Ivan Karamazov points at and goes, try to explain that. In some sense, it's not that hard to explain. Like, we've brought this on ourselves. This is the reality we chose when we chose to rebel God. We chose this over obedience to God. The sufferings of this age. Israel chose that when they chose to worship with the Baals. When when they chose to go after the gods of the other nations. They chose that. And they're getting it. It's hard for us to imagine, but this is the reality we have chosen. And yet Paul says, the afflictions of this age are not worthy to even be compared. It is not like in the new creation, we're going we're to gonna kind of go, wow, okay, wow, this is awesome, but that was pretty bad, you know, but no, this is definitely better. It's it's just it's going to the comparison, and this is very hard for us to understand on this side of glory. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. But the reality is the day will come where the the difference between the glory and the suffering is so great that you you can't even speak about them in the same sentence. And they are so desperate, that it will be as if you don't even remember the sufferings. Think about, and this I know this is hard for us to imagine in the moment, but think about little things that happened to you when you were a child. And you could probably remember a couple biggies. (laughs) But think about how many things when you were a little child seemed big. And yet now you, you have other things in your mind, right? That the, the One, the problems of adulthood kind of dwarf the problems of, of childhood. But so do the glories of adulthood. And this is a horrible illustration because we're still d- dealing with this under the curse. But you get the point. It's like when we're little children, things that are important to a little child, you know? Even offenses that took place. You know, your, your sibling took something from you. Oh my gosh, it was just, you know? Christina let me in on a little way, you know, Tommy and Emma got into a fight of both. And Tommy did something bad to Emma, you know? And it, why? Because Tommy is upset that Emma said something to him, you know? So you a little glimpse in the Spanger household here, okay? Every, every Lord's Day morning is not just bliss. <laughs> All right, so we had a little spat there and Tommy did something bad to Emma or whatever. And, and it's like, oh, you know, in the moment, Tommy's so upset about it. It's, it's so important. When Tommy's 52, and tell me he's not going to be like, yeah, but there was that moment, you know, and I'm like, you know, you know it's, like, it's like, it's gone, it's vaporous. It's like, now, uh, now, now, here's where we have to be very careful. Ivan Karamazov would throw his drink on me right now, okay? Ivan Karamazov would be like, how dare you, sir? How dare you compare? You know, the suffering of this child or the, 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 the fact that a, a couple lost a child or the horrible grief and suffering that they have had to endure to some childhood incident. How dare you compare? And I'm, and I, I'm not comparing those two things, though they are in the analogy I'm comparing them. But it's an analogy. You can't. But I, I get the sentiment. But I'm, I'm having to live now in what Paul is. Paul is making that comparison. I know it's hard for you to imagine. I get that. But that's what Paul is saying. Even the most horrific things in this age will not be remembered. Now, does that mean you literally won't remember them? I don't know. I don't know. We got got prophetic talk here. But I can tell you this. If you do remember them, you will remember them now through the lens of God's glory. And they will look very different. They will look very different. Or perhaps you won't remember them. I don't know. But I think what the Lord is saying through Isaiah here is get ready. You're not going to imagine and you can't imagine and Mark used that in his prayer today. It it hasn't come to the mind of man what will be true of us. C.S. Lewis says it in in his sermon, The Weight of Glory when he says, he says, as man, our problem is not that we want too much. That's not, we think it is. We're gluttonous and there is a truth to that. He says, the problem with man is not that he wants too much but that he is satisfied with too little. He goes about happy making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what it is to have a holiday at the sea. Holiday at this, I don't even know, I don't know what sandcastles are. I can't smell the ocean breeze or hear the waves crashing and enjoy the sun on the beach and dive into the waves. I can't even imagine that. So I'm very happy. Don't mess with my mud pies. What do you mean you're taking me away from the mud pie? No, no, no. No, no. This is my this is this is what I love. No, but You trust me. You're going to want to be at the you trust me. When you see the ocean, when you make your first sandcastle, you will look back upon the mud pies and something you won't you won't care two bits about those things. It's very hard when all you know are mud pies in the slums. And what the Bible is presenting you is a vision of a holiday at the sea. And we walk by faith. Now, we walk by faith, but also a little bit by sight now, because Jesus has risen from the dead. You've actually gotten a little glimpse. It's not merely by faith, it's by faith, but also by sight because, because Jesus is there. Jesus has come forth from the dead. So behold, I create a new heavens, and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or even come to mind. It's not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be ours. Now, he launches into these different, and I've taken up so much time in the introduction, now I got to hop, skip, and jump through these, but I encourage you to, to meditate upon them. And the first is just joy, but be glad. And rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. Now remember, they're going out with weeping. They're being dragged from their homes, okay? They are in utter despair. There's weeping and wailing, lament and dust and ashes. This is the reality they know as they're reading Isaiah. And he's saying, you won't even remember that because I am creating. Now, by the way, this is the reality you chose. Okay, it's not like I'm just inflicting this upon you. Okay, you have chosen this. And now you have to eat the cake you baked. But I'm not going to let you eat that cake forever. You know, I'm going to undo. I am going to deliver you from that and give you something utterly unbelievable. Okay, so let's, let's keep this in mind. It's not like Now, I'm going to do this bad thing to you for a while so that I can do a good thing. No, you've chosen the bad thing. And I'm going to undo it so you don't have to deal with that cake forever. I'm going to give you something in place. I'm going to give you joy in the place of sorrow. I'm going to give you rejoicing in the place of weeping. Weeping shall last for a nighttime, but joy will come back in the morning. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. In Isaiah 25, he gives this image of this road of holiness that the people walk down, and on there, there will be no sighing and no sorrow. In Revelation, we get the image of that day in which the Lord will come and establish a new heavens and new earth, and he will wipe away every tear. No more sorrow, but joy joy and delight in God. And as we delight in God, we see him smiling and delighting in us. And that delight that he has in us just radiates back in glory to him and there's just this beautiful cycle and circle of joy and praise and glory. And that is what awaits us. No more weeping, no more sorrow. Now is the time for sorrow. Now is the time for mud pies in the slums. It's all we have. And yes, the the suffering is real. It's not insignificant. and We have to deal with it and we have to bear through it. But as we do, we need to do it with our eyes looking beyond the horizon. Your eyes have to look up and behold the joy that is ours and that is coming in Christ. So the first beautiful reality of this new heavens and new earth is joy. Of course, the second is joy. The removal of death and we know that in that one of you I've, I've said these things to you many times but one of my favorite little images there in revelation is when everything starts getting thrown in the lake of fire you know the beast goes in there and then the false prophet goes in there and the dragon goes in there and all these things are getting thrown into the lake of fire that the last to go in there is death itself like death is thrown in the lake of fire The Lord is going to conquer death. And we get this in this Old Testament imagery. I will tell you, and we could deal with this more Sunday school if you'd like, but these are texts that people often use to describe some millennial kingdom or things like that. I don't have time to deal with that now. Just know that I do not take that perspective. I think what's being described here is the new heavens and new earth, because that's what he says. I'm going to create a new heavens and new earth. I think this is the eternal reality. But he's using Old Covenant words and Old Covenant images for this. So, no more shall the infant from there, uh, no more shall the infant from there live but a few days. That is, we're not gonna have infant death. Well, we're not gonna have death at all. That's the point of what he's saying. But hey, these things that you suffer with now, they just, he picks, Ivan Karamazov, he picks the, the most horrible things. The loss of a baby is a horrible thing. It's, it's like, what let's see, what can I pick in this age that is really terrible to say, hey, this won't be anymore? He, he could have said cancer wards. He, but he chooses just a horrible and grievous thing, the death of a child. And he says, no more. that does take that image. That will be no more. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. People dying young. Right? Where their, their days are unfulfilled, he says the horrible sadness of that. I mean, death in general is bad, but that's, I believe, the point he's making. There will be no more death, but he picks the worst, if you will, deaths. And he's saying, Would that Would this is a reality we no longer have to deal with. For the child shall die 100 years old, and the sinner being 100 years old shall be a curse. That is what he's saying. There's anyone who dies under 100 is under the curse and judgment of God. And he said, well, I thought you just said there'll be no more death, and now he's talking about child. Again, this is a case I can make in Sunday school. For now, you just have to hear my take on this. That again, I believe he's using, he's using mud pie language to try to describe the holiday at the sea. You know, that's all he has. And so he's, he's using language and saying, just, just imagine children living to the end of the day. We're not having to deal with this anymore. Anyone who doesn't is under the curse of God. But the thing he's trying to describe, I believe, is the conquest of death itself next we have these all these different images of blessings that come in verse 22 they shall build houses and inhabit them and plant vineyards and eat the fruit now again is this describing the new heavens and new earth are we going to build houses in the new heavens and new earth i think if we try to read it that way maybe we will I, i i don't know but again it's just not the way this is prophetic imagery that is meant to be given to us and again he's using old covenant language. He's using mud pie language, if you will. Because in Deuteronomy, the, the, the curse to you would be, you're going to build houses. If you if you don't obey me, you're going to build houses and you will, somebody else will inhabit them. And you're going to plant vineyards and somebody else will eat from them. That's what curse is going to look like. I'm going to strip you from the work of your hands. I'm going to strip you from the very land I'm planting you in. But here he flips that around and says, no, no, no. That's, those days are done now you will enjoy the labor of your hands, right? You will have, it's just another beautiful poetic way of saying blessing. They will build houses and inhabit them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. See, so even here, the the language of 100 years doesn't work. It's just, it's stability, it's permanence. My people will not go away. For as the days of a tree, shall, so shall the days of my people be. And my elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be descendants of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. And hence the First Corinthians 15. Again, our labor is not in vain. No longer toil. Now fruitful labor. And again, these are things, by the way, brothers and sisters, that are realities for us now. That's why Paul can say, go to work now. Be steadfast and immovable, laboring for the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain because Christ is raised from the dead and new creation has already begun. So all these images of blessing and abundance and fullness, and we'll see more of those when we get into the book of Revelation. Then in verse 24, communion with God, the way that God intended it to be. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Here, let's remember again where Israel is. They're being dragged out. The kind of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me moment of their story. Right? They they feel like whatever prayers they are offering are going up, hitting the ceiling and coming back and smacking them. God is not hearing their prayers. And this is the reality. I'm sure you have felt that from time to times in your own life. This is a reality in this age of curse. Communion with God feels like a very difficult thing to maintain. Uh, We've all had times where there were. It just felt like God was so near and communion was so sweet with Him, but it just felt like that's not something I can hold on to. Sometimes we try to conjure it back. Sometimes we try to get back to that place where we had it. But this will not be an issue in the age to come. In the age to come, such intimate, sweet communion with God that before they even call, I answer them. As they're speaking, I'm already responding. The image there is of this intimate communion that is there between God and His beloved in the new heavens and the new earth. And then finally, of course, victory and peace, shalom, as they would say in Hebrew, in these beautiful images of the wolf and the lamb, Standing together. No longer will the lamb need fear the wolf. For the wolf will be, you know, the wolf loses all his wolfiness. You know, he becomes a friend to the lamb, whatever, whatever that means. And the lion, same with the ox. The ox is not threatened by the lion. And the serpent that did us such harm, the serpent that lied to us, the serpent that, that was such an enemy, like we read last week in psalm 72 you know the enemies will lick the dust so here the enemy the serpent will eat dust and these shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain says the lord there will be peace like a the good shepherd leads the his sheep into the green pastures and lets them lay down without any threat i mean just the image of the new heavens and new earth where there's no more anxiety, the, the idea of the new heavens and new earth where there's no more frustration, these beautiful images are given to us. Now, I know all we know are mud pies and the slums. You can't imagine a world like that. We just can't imagine being able to let your guard down and really just let it down because there is no wolf. We just can't imagine that. We can't imagine a world in which there literally are no tears of sorrow because there is no more death. There's no more, oh no, what if I get bad news? I've told you before, every time my phone rings, I'm like, ooh, I just, I, I cringe, you know? I mean, I got a call from my janitor yesterday and it was a butt dial. And it's like, he butt dialed me and I, 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 I see it, I see it come up, Chuck, and I'm like, immediately I'm like, oh no, <laughs> why is he calling me? It was Saturday. I'm like, there must be a problem with the school. You know, you know, so you, you answer with that, Chuck? And he's like, Bill? <laughs> yeah? Oh, sorry, I dialed you by accident. It's like immediate relief. I mean, this is how sick I am, okay? That my janitor calls me, and I'm from the school, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Forget about it when Christina calls me. I, I tell her, don't call me. Just text me because when the minute she calls me, I'm like, oh, no, you know, terrible. And I wait for the first, I go, hey, that's my thing. Just, hey, I'm going to say hello. I'm like, hey. And just waiting to hear, yeah, so, you know, and I'm like, oh, immediate relief. And she called me on the way here about Tommy and Abby, uh, you know, because I'm just waiting for that tone not to be good and, oh, no, calamity. This is the sickness, the sickness of this age, you know where it's like you feel the wolf is always just right there death is always hanging right over your head it's about to it's about to strike but that day is going to come where like sheep in green pastures they can just lay down with no worries of the wolf pursuing they can just drink freely from the streams of living water these are the beautiful images that are ours in the new heavens and the new earth that are that again brothers and sisters is your inheritance. Now, I know you love your mud pies, okay? I get that because I like mine as well. And remember, the mud pies in the slums are not the cancer words, right? The mud pies in the slums are the great dinner you just ate. The mud pies in the slums are that beautiful vacation you took and you were just like, oh, this is so beautiful. No, it's a mud pie. I know it's a beautiful mud pie. It's a really beautiful mud pie, but it's a mud pie. Trust me, it's a mud pie. You know, the really good news, that promotion you got at work, you can't believe you got it. And the increase in pay, wonderful, beautiful mud pie. It's the beautiful things that are in the mud pies. See, the most beautiful things are mere mud pies in the slums that tend to satisfy us because we cannot imagine a holiday at the sea. And if we want to begin to imagine holidays at the sea, and we have to stick our nose in the book. We have to stick our noses in the Bible and let Isaiah kind of describe it for us. We have to stick our nose in the book of Revelation and let John try to put words to what it would be like to have a holiday at the sea. But here's what I can assure you is the day is coming, brothers and sisters, where well, you will stand on that shore and you will feel the warmth of the sun and hear the lapping of the waves and the seagulls and enjoy the bright blue sky. And in those days, the mud pies in the slums will not be worthy to be compared to the joy that you have. And the greatest afflictions that we've suffered, though they are really bad, I don't minimize them on this side of the veil. As Isaiah says, will be as if they are forgotten compared to the glory and the riches of your inheritance. Let us walk by faith, believing that today because Christ is raised from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are satisfied with too little. We grasp after the vapor as if we can put it in our pocket and keep it forever. But Father, vapor is vapor. It's not substantial. But you have given us solid things, lasting joys and treasures. And so we pray that you would anchor our hopes and our souls to these things, that we might live accordingly that we might be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know that our labor is not in vain. The day is coming when every tear will be wiped away, when you purge the earth of sin and death, when wolves fly away and serpents have to lick the dust, and where we will live without anxiety or fear, but we will live delighting in joy and being rejoiced over by you, Lord God. Oh, we pray that you would anchor our faith to that reality, that we might live as obedient sons and daughters of yours in the meantime. For we ask this all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.